0: This is the Mosaic Church podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Last week... I challenged us as we live in the valley, how to live successfully, how to live uh, victoriously in the valley. All of us are gonna live in the valley at one time or another. Sometimes some of us are in the valley longer than we would like. Anybody there? Yeah, I was, uh, I know what that means. I remember one time, uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we applied to be a youth pastor at a church uh, actually our home church. And we ended up being the youth pastor. We're, the first time uh, we did the interview, everything looked good. And then uh, one Sunday night as we're sitting in the back, uh, how many of you remember Sunday night church? Yes, a few of you. Like some of you are like, what? Uh, yes, yeah, Sunday night church. Um, and I remember sitting in the back and the pastor announced that they found the best person to be the youth pastor. And Robin like, did you know this? And they're like... <laughs> And they're like, no. And all of a sudden, it's like, they named somebody else that was in the church. And I remember, uh, it's my first time I ever had a pulled hamstring at that moment. I was, my whole body went, <gasps> and I was shocked. And I remember going through a tough time. And it just felt like that, that announcement uh, lunged me into a valley. Uh, and I probably stayed there longer than I should have. But I want to talk to us how to, uh, to live victoriously in the valley. Last week, we talked about pride. And I shared some stories, and if you weren't here, can you imagine the audacity of someone? Uh, and I talked to you about the, the person that uh, started uh, the uh, news channel CNN. Uh, you know his name, but he made an announcement back right after I got, uh, we got married in 1988. And I've only been married one time, not 34 times, as I said last week, by, my st- by mistake. <laughs> so last week I said, I've been married 34 times. <laughs> Uh, One time, 34 years Soon to be 35 God willing And so Uh, But he had the audacity to say, and it made national news. I remember the news happened right uh, like a couple years after we got married, that it was high times to replace the Ten Commandments. And he actually publicized his own Ten Commandments. And you should look it up. Just look it up. Uh, Turner's Ten Commandments. Uh, It's quite hilarious. But the audacity to think that somehow uh, he knew better than God is just, wow. It, It blew my mind at the time. Then I talked to you about the Beatles. The Beatles, uh, John Lennon famously said that he, you know, basically I'm paraphrasing that he thought the the Beatles were becoming more popular as the Christian faith was becoming less popular and before you know it, they would be more popular than Jesus. Uh, uh, Dave, uh, you may or may not recall, but during Lucy's memorial service, I mentioned about the, the Titanic and the people that got on the Titanic, especially like the people that created the, the ship, the Titanic, there's even a quote saying that not even God can sink the Titanic. And I thought, what? Uh, Audacity to think, the pride to think that uh, that the Titanic, something that's man-made, could never uh, come apart and fall apart. And then I talked to you about a f- my all-time favorite Christian uh, artist, musician. I've read his books. I just, I am a huge huge fan of Keith Green. If you don't know who he is, look him up. You may not like the style of his music because it's already dated, but you would love the words if you have never looked up the words. But he died in a plane crash. And uh, the, very, the, the reason they died in a, and I remember, I remember watching the news, Good Morning America. And it's like in the announcement says, uh, famous Christian uh, musician, Keith Green, has died in a car, uh, plane crash. I'm like, man, my world was just rocked. And uh, it turned out when they did the investigation, the plane crashed because it was too heavy. Uh, a little Cessna, a little seven-passenger plane had 12 people and overloaded by 400 pounds. And what happens when they load it like that, the plane ended up being tail heavy. So no matter how much they try to get air, uh, get you know, air, they, they kept going down. And the pilot was not even, um, he wasn't even authorized to fly a Cessna. And so when he tried to lift that nose up, and he thought if I could lift the nose up, I would go up and he crashed. And the thing about what I've learned is the audacity of my, my all-time favorite Christian artist, uh, theologian. He, he wrote the, uh, theology books. I just love him. But pride had entered his heart to think that somehow he knew better than the engineers that built that plane and gave its limits. Then I gave you a, a more closer story about me and my life. And I told you that one time I was on campus and uh, someone came to me and said that we had a couple people leave the ministry in our campus ministry. And I had the audacity to say, basically I said, who cares? I know how to get more students. And if we're not careful in campus ministry or church ministry, we think getting more people is a formula. And, uh, and I thought there was a formula. And so uh, I remember saying it as I spoke, as I was saying it, the Lord convicted me and reminded of Moses when he said, shall we like him and him and God, we're gonna bring water out of the rock. And I recognize I have, I, I have greatly sinned uh, before the Lord. The audacity of myself thinking that somehow I know how to grow a ministry. I know how to get uh, new people. And uh, the Lord gave and chastised me in a loving way, in a caring way, but it chastised me nonetheless. Then my last story I shared last week is that I I was raising our little kids at the time. They were small, like many of your kids. And uh, one of my kids was misbehaving, like none of your kids. And so um, my sister gave me a suggestion. Have you thought about growing kids God's way? And if you were here last week, you know my response. I got very offended and I asked her, what do you think I'm doing it the devil's way? And she was like, no, no. As you could tell, she got like scared of my response. She was like, oh, no, no. I meant there's a, a program that's out there called Growing Kids God's Way. And I said, oh, okay. And, but I look back at that scenario and I realize how uh, touchy my wife and I, but probably more me, about anybody speaking into my life and how to raise kids. You know, like, how dare you? But think of it, think of the audacity of me thinking, how dare you to give me any advice as though I know how to perfectly parent kids. Now, back in the day when I was a young buck, I know what you guys are thinking, like, aren't you always young? Yes, I am. But when I was a young buck, I had a lot of confidence. What I didn't recognize, I didn't have a lot of competence, and I wasn't a competent parent raiser of kids. I thank the Lord they came out great, but... uh, because of Jesus, it wasn't because of my expertise, uh, parenting skills, and, it, and but then of course we, we had Robin and you guys know her, she's uh, awesome. And she was an awesome mom and now grandma. But I had such audacity, nobody could speak into my life about raising kids. And then I recognized that most parents Especially, I remember those times, most parents never allowed anybody to speak into, oh, they may, you know, back in the day, they might have let Oprah or, you know, Dr. Phil say something that you might hear on a television, but not necessarily someone in their lives and say, hey, have you thought about this? Years and years ago, there was a young lady that gave me her expired driver's license, you had the whole punch in it, so it was no longer official. And what she was saying is, Pastor Mario, I'm going to give you the license to speak into my life. And I appreciate that. I took it and I still have it in my memoirs. Uh, the, the idea of allowing someone else to speak, give them license to speak into their life. And so, uh, one of the things I challenged us last week, and I want to clarify this week, is, Uh, let's make sure that we're not so prideful that we don't take advice from anyone, especially someone who loves and cares for us and wants our best interest at heart. So whether it's your personal life, your marriage life, raising kids, your work life, I pray that you have the posture of allowing people to, to give advice, now you may, not, you may not agree with their advice and you don't have to take their advice. You know, not all advice is from God. Some advice is not from God, but I would challenge all of us to have the posture to receive advice. So let me re- repeat myself. Not all advice is from God, but I believe having a posture of willing to receive advice is a posture from God. So last week, we, and I remind you, uh, number 20, it should come up here, yes. Uh, remember, remember where you came from. Remember what, all the things that God has done. And, and we were reading at a Psalm 60 at the time. Uh, set aside new goals, like I'm gonna allow people to speak into my life. And then the last thing, of course, was give God the glory. Don't let, don't steal Glory from the Lord. Like I, did. I know how to bring more students. And at that time, our ministry was huge. At the time, brings you up. And you know, I fast forward to this morning. Uh, the title of this morning is called "The Shadow." I attended my first ever funeral at 18. Anybody attend a funeral prior to 18 years of age? Wow, quite a few of you. Well, I was not around uh, people who had died. You know, my we left. My parents left our home country of Columbia, so I didn't know hardly any of my grandparents. I didn't know them really, any great-grandparents, cousins, uncles. I mean, I knew of them, but I didn't know them, so I never attended any funerals. My first funeral was at 18 years old. My good friend Tim Troyer, he was a classmate of mine from sixth grade, from um, Fruitville Elementary all the way up to Sarasota High. And it was a Friday rainy afternoon in mid-December, and all of us Sarasota High sailors were excited because they allowed the seniors to leave school first for Christmas break. So all of us seniors got out, and on his way home, Tim missed a turn and overcorrected and slammed his Volkswagen bug into the ditch. And this is 1980. One December of 1981 airbags did not exist in Volkswagen bugs at the time and my good friend Tim was dead. I remember going to the Bay of Vista Mennonite uh, church and there was an open casket and since then um, and from that point on I didn't really go to hardly any funerals in our ministry with young adults you know it never really happened and then my dad passed away uh, almost three years ago. Uh, my father-in-law passed away about eight months ago. And of course, our precious Luz, um passed away a month ago. And then I have close friends. Uh, I'm getting to the age where right now, my friends. And I don't mean to chuckle like it's funny. I have this little quirk, all right? I chuckle sometimes because it's preferable to crying. Okay, so... If you ever say something morbid and I chuckle, please forgive me, all right? Um, and so my friends are passing away. See, it's like, Michael's making me laugh more, so don't make me laugh anymore. It's, it's not funny, all right? So don't make me laugh. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> so all of a sudden, my friends, uh, we're getting to, I'm getting to the age where my friends are passing away. There was a friend of ours that came to our church, uh, for our Good Friday service. His name was Tony, Pastor Tony. And he worked for an agency that, uh, helped people in their last days, uh, before they died. He, they would either, either go take them to their own home and help them to be comfortable before they, they passed, or they would go to the, uh, this ministry house and they would go there. And so he would help them from time, and he, that was his, his work. And he would try to make the patients as comfortable and as, as possible during these last moments. He told me a story because I, I was enthralled by his work. And I said, you know, Tony, uh, I'm not around a, a death a lot. I, My ministry, we have young people and prior to the church ministry was just college students. So it's very rare. And I said, what's it like? And then he told me a story, which is a true story. He told me he visited a prominent local professor here in town. Tony was off the clock and this family knew of him. So they asked him to come uh, to help minister as a pastor to this dying professor, and he was in his last hours. Again, it was, it was the request of the spouse. So he leans down to the bed, and he's telling me the story. He leans down, he says, and, and I'm just picking a random name, Jim. Jim, can you hear me? And, and Jim nodded yes. Hey Jim, my name is Pastor Tony. And he nodded and basically says, hello. And then Tony says, do you understand that you are dying? And he nodded again. This is Tony telling me this story. Then he says, Jim, I heard, I understand that you used to go to church. And he nodded. Have you ever really given your life to Jesus, Jim? And this is all in whisper tone. Jim didn't answer. Jim, would you like to ask Jesus to come into your life? Will you put your life in his hands and call on the name of Jesus? I will pray with you, Jim. Would you like me to pray with you? And Tony's sharing this story. He actually shared it with me on this front pew. And he says that Jim mustered all the energy that he could and and he raised his head And word for word, so I'm quoting, and I'm just looking to see if there's any kids here. And he said, hell no, get the hell out of my house. And I thought Tony was kidding. And I said, are you kidding? He said, no. Those were his literal last dying words. I was literally shocked. It's just very interesting to hear that story. And Dave, I'm trying to be sensitive in in Lavella to see this Story, and you can see the difference. I know um, I'm I'm going to be talking about Psalms 23, and this is why we're talking about death here. Lois, I apologize if this is too sensitive, but we were there the last moments of my father-in-law's life, and it was as I look back, it was beautiful because Lois was on the bed holding Robert and and kissing him, and showing the love of Jesus and their marital love at the last moments, It's hard to imagine, we live in a world where we see death all the time on television. You know, we see movies with lots of death. We see the news with lots of death. And I would call that pixelated death. It's, it's not real, it's pixelated. And it's sad to think that people would die alone in some nursing home with just the night nurse around. And so we're not used to it. We're not used to this thing called death. I'm not used to it. We live in a world that makes us not used to it. Back in the day, uh, and you still see some churches in town, they would have cemeteries attached to the church property. And I'm telling you, what a sobering way to remind us that we are finite beings, right? I mean, can you imagine, if, you know, you're walking with your kids and let's just say there is a cemetery here and you're walking through your kids and your kid's like, what's that? And oh, that's where, you know, so-and-so is buried. And just, it's a constant reminder that, hey, we're not gonna here forever, but we don't do that anymore. So it's very unusual for us. We just watch it on television, pixelated. But most of the civilization world experiences it on a regular basis. Bases, People get sick, people die, and most of the world lives like this. One of my best favorite memories, and of course it's recent, is uh, Dave gave the okay for our church people to come and and sing songs uh, and hymns. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And I appreciate you mentioning that a church family surrounding her and singing hymns. And so this this memory triggered me wanting to read the 23rd Psalms again. And I'd like for us to read it again. And let's do it. um, Let's read it together. I, I picked the New King James Version. It just sounds a little bit more official, all right? Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me just pray real quick. Lord Jesus, help us to learn what you want us to learn. Lord, help us not to think what somebody else needs to listen to, but Lord, help us to be receptive what you want us to learn this morning. Help me to say what you want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. In order to really appreciate Psalms 23, you have to read Psalms 22 and Psalms 24. So think of it as Psalms 22 is a mountain peak, Psalms 24 is a mountain peak, and Psalms 23 is the valley psalm. pretty incredible Um, if you look at Psalms 22 I believe it it's um, foretelling it's a mess I would call it a messianic uh, psalm it foretells the uh, and describes the horrors of the crucifixion and then in verse uh, chapter 24 about the glorious king and in all his glory when you have a chance go home and read it so my next encouragement how to be victorious in the valley, I would say, and I have the screen here, number 23, let God in the valley. When we read Psalms 23, the psalmist, David, uses the first person possessive. He says, the Lord is my shepherd he doesn't say the Lord is the shepherd or he doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd and I love this I think it's it's something that we can go home and take home with us the Lord is my shepherd Jesus is our shepherd he's not just our shepherd he's your shepherd he's my shepherd just like a good shepherd he lives where the sheep live He sleeps where the sheep sleep. And he helps and restores our souls. He helps quenches our thirst. Jesus, our shepherd, is there to lead me and you. Jesus is your shepherd and he's my shepherd to defend you, to defend me, to anoint me, to anoint you. And especially when the shadow of death is cast over us, And the thing I wanna challenge us this morning is let him in your valley. When you're in the valley, let Jesus be a part of your time in the valley. Dave said it perfectly, either run to God, meaning allow him to come into your life, or you're gonna run from God. I didn't ask my mother-in-law, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. My mother-in-law has had to learn to live by herself, her choice for the moment, And there's been times where she's heard noises around the house and she's been awakened and sometimes scared, which anybody would be. Normally I'm the one that's leaving my house to go travel and Robin has to stay alone. And every time I leave, like I gotta get an alarm system. And I've been saying that for about five years. Uh, But she went on the women's retreat and of course, I'm an empty nester. So here, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I slept in my house by myself, and I have a big house. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I was a little scared. <laughs> I was like, wow, I could see why my wife is like, you know, she doesn't like it. And, uh, you know, I sleep, we have upstairs and I'm in the back corner. And like, then your mind starts thinking, I could, people literally could rummage through my house, come up the stairs, and I'm really being vulnerable here. I have a CPAP machine. All right. The CPAP machine allows me to sleep deep. Deep like your little kids when they're asleep in the pew and you're picking them up and you walk them to the car and, they're, and they haven't awakened. That's how deep I sleep. And so uh, the whole time I'm like, I literally had to ask the Lord to give me peace. To let me go to sleep. And sometimes we've had to do that, haven't we? We've had to pray, Mom. To give you peace because Jesus is our shepherd. He is there with us if we allow him in to our lives, into our valleys. Jesus is the shepherd of peace. Some people do not ask Jesus to come into their valley. Very similar to the story I just read. They have a false understanding of who Jesus is. They think somehow Jesus is gonna remind them of why they're in their circumstance at that moment. But the moment of our need, Jesus is there. He's not gonna throw accusations while he embraces you. The woman who was caught in adultery, she was literally in the middle of a storm, a valley storm. And what does Jesus do? He comforts her. He leads her out of the valley and gave her a map to freedom. When Lazarus was dead, what did Jesus do? Well, they said that he didn't arrive soon enough, and he could have done this, and he could have done that. But one thing that I think is powerful for us to allow Jesus into our valleys is that he wept. He wept. He, he weeps with us. He weeps with your loss. He is your shepherd, he is my shepherd. So if you're in a valley, let Jesus in your valley. Not only did he rise from the dead and he sits at the right hand of the father, but he also is with us. He weeps with us, he walks with us. Is our old hymn and he talks with us. If you allow him to come into your valley, you might be angry, like, oh, why am I here? Why did God, you let me here? Why am I in this circumstance? Why did this happen? And I understand that. But let Jesus help you during those times. My mom sometimes watches, but I remember she, she was lamenting. She goes, why did God, why didn't he take us together? She said that, she has said that a few times. Why did she just take him? She should have taken he should have taken us both together. And I have to remind and this is the role of a church to help encourage and remind one another. Let Jesus be there with you as well. I'm not going to go too much longer but my next slide is walk without fear. Walk without fear. This is harder. It's easier said than done just like I shared the story of being a little scared in my house. Ask the Lord to give me courage, give me peace. One thing I love about letting Jesus come into our valley is that he's already been there. He's he's been there and done that. He knows, not only does he know the way, he is the way. And that's comforting. If you ever find yourself lost and all of a sudden, a guide comes that's been there and knows how to get out of there, you're excited. Long, long time ago, I made the mistake. I'm a novice to less than novice ski, snow skier. And I found myself at a snow, uh, it's like snow Armageddon. It was at a a ski ski resort in New Mexico. And by mistake, because it was snowing so hard, that I thought it had a green diamond for the lift, but I couldn't see that it was double black diamond. And if you know anything about skiing, that's not good. And so literally, I was in learning school and somehow I got on on this, and I went all the way up with me and my friend, Dan, and we went up and up and up and up. And for an hour and 20 minutes, it took us to get down because we literally fell every two feet. I remember literally in the almost, I mean, literally in tears. I mean, it was miserable. It was scary, and it was miserable. And I kept thinking to myself, where are these people that work here with the, you know, the red cross, I was thinking at the time, with the snowmobile, and there was nowhere to be found, nowhere to be found. But Jesus is not like that. He's not nowhere to be found. He is found. Call him into your life. Let him in. And as we walk without fear, because we know we are with him. The last thing I want to talk about is facing death. Or maybe you're someone who is facing death. I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus will walk with you in this valley. Jesus knows exactly what you are going through. God doesn't just say, I don't want you to experience this, but he loves us so much as I'll experience it with you. You're not alone. Our little grandson, Benny, short name for Benito, after my dad, he doesn't, he's um, 19, 20 months, 21 months. Old. His father's like, I don't know. <laughs> he's young. And I noticed this, especially in the last few days, is that when his mom walks away from the room, he begins to cry. Why? Because he lacks the understanding and the capacity of, of space and time. All he sees is his mom is there one moment, and when she leaves the room in his world, it's chaos because she's gone. He doesn't, he doesn't grasp where she is at. Now, Benny has an older sister named Hadley, and she's three and a half years old. And when mommy says, Hadley, I'm gonna go to the bedroom to change, stay here, Hadley understands that her mom is down the hall changing. Benny, younger, doesn't understand that concept. He's just like, you know, freaks out. So Hadley doesn't freak out because she has a mature understanding of concept and time and space. And I wanna challenge us as believers of Jesus Christ to not be afraid. We know that Luce, my father-in-law, And my dad, I know them personally, claimed their uh, faith in Christ. They put their lives in the hands of Christ. I know that they're not gone, but they're just in another room, another place. I miss them. I miss their fellowship. I miss their presence. But I'm not having a Benito Ben experience of freaking out there's a peace i'm having a hadley moment where i understand they're okay i know she's not here mommy's not here but she's in the other room and so those who proclaim faith in christ we know that they're in the other room in psalms 23 verse 6 i will dwell in the house of the lord forever when true believers truly believe death is not some some super scary thing but it's a doorway to a connecting room. We don't have choices to live in the valley. Almost, I mean, actually all of us will have no, there's not a person here that has a choice whether they wanna live in the valley or not. We're all gonna live in the valley at some time of our lives. However, we do have a choice if we want to live and be in that valley alone or with Jesus. So the choice is yours this morning. I pray that as, you're, as you grow in Jesus, grow in your journey with Jesus, your faith becomes stronger, your peace comes, your faith and peace and joy, all is connected through Jesus, who is there with us in the times of valley. I know that my, because I talk to them, I know that my mom has experienced Jesus in her valley, and I know that my mother-in-law has experienced Jesus in her valley. And just listening to Lavella this morning, I know that Jesus is with her in her valley. And Dave, just hearing you speak, Jesus is with you in your valley. All of us will live in valleys, but we have a choice. Do we let him in or do we keep him at bay? The choice is yours. So I'd like for us to just close our eyes, head bowed, eyes closed, and say, Pastor Mario. Two things. One is, I want to go back to the first part and say, Pastor Mario, I want to ha- make sure I have a posture of humility and be willing to take advice in any area of my life. If that's you. Just raise your hand. Yes, Amen. <laughs> I think that everybody's raising hand. I'm raising my hand. Lord, help me to be willing to take advice in all, in, in areas of my life that, Lord, that you see fit kids, finances, marriage. Lord, help us to not be so prideful that we can't take advice. And Lord, we trust you to help us to decipher if the advice is from you. But Lord, we know that not getting any advice is not the right, right spirit. The last thing, Lord, we... Some of us, and I know that I've been there from time to time, a little fearful of, of the afterlife. And I believe when we read Psalms 23, we, we see the spirit that we want to walk without fear. And Lord, I want to just ask you if you to raise your hand, I'm raising my hand, because Lord, give me a, a greater understanding, a greater understanding of your love and your peace And that knowing that you are with us, Lord, I pray that you would give me a greater understanding of who you are while we walk in the valley, that we would walk without fear because we know that you are with us. If that's you, just raise your hand. Amen. Yes. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us all. Help me. Help me, Father, first to always understand the Lord, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, with us. Lord, help us to walk with confidence as we leave this place. Help us to walk in a posture of humility and be willing to take advice. We say thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.MosaicChurchTLH.com.